This is the South Bend Beat Podcast, presented by Alpha Dog Agency. And welcome to episode 5 of the South Bend Beat Podcast. This is your host, Kyle O'Connor, and we have a two-part episode for episode 5, kind of an end-of-the-year special, looking at some Christmas themes and what we're going to be looking at moving into 2018. And for part 1, I am joined by Aaron Nichols, the Executive Director of of the South Bend Civic Theater. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Yeah, not a problem. Before we get into anything, i got to ask, how are you dealing with the snow? <laughs> well, it, it's not it's not too bad for us. It seems to be melting a little bit, but we're supposed to get a few more inches over the next few days. The, the trouble comes when we get snow over the weekend because we have a, a parking lot that has an arrangement with one of our other tenants, and they take care of it during the week. But if it comes in the weekend, we got we got trouble. So. Oh, just, <laughs> so are you a snow guy? Do you, do you not really care about it, or does it really bum you out? Well, honestly, for we're, we're doing a Christmas story right now, so it, it really didn't feel right when it was 60 right. degrees and we're doing a show <laughs> about snowball fights and, you know, sticking your tongue to a, a, a fence post, getting it stuck. So I, I, I actually don't mind having a little more Christmas feeling in the air. So it, it, it helps our patrons feel a little better about meeting Santa and doing all the things that we do here in our lobby as well. And speaking of Christmas story, um, let's get into your background a little bit before we uh, move into what you have going on right now. Um, tell us uh, you know, your history, kind of the career path that you followed and uh, how you ended up being here in South Bend, Executive Director of the Civic Theater. Sure. Well, it, it's kind of a circuitous. I mean, I started, I grew up here in Goshen, so not that okay. far away, and uh, went to Northwood and then went to school in central Indiana and then lived in Chicago for a while, like all of us sometimes kind of pop into the big metro and uh, <laughs> did that for a few years and said, you know what, I, you know, I love northern Indiana. I mean, I grew up here. I feel like I'm Midwestern born and raised. So um, I came back to the University of Notre Dame, worked there with their, they have a Shakespeare program. And so I worked uh, with a program called Shakespeare at Notre Dame for about seven years. And then I had been volunteering since 2002 um, with South Bend Civic Theater. So I have about 15 years under my belt as a volunteer, both as an actor and a director and designer. And now in the last couple of years on, on some committees. So kind of, you know, climbing the ladder as far as responsibility with the theater. And then uh, as I was at Notre Dame, I had seen that this position had come up and uh, it just seemed like as far as my career was going, it was the right step at the right moment. I had done some graduate work at the University of Pennsylvania in arts management and like executive arts uh, governance. And so I had some of that operational experience as well. So not only the artistic side, but the management side. So I felt like I was the right person at the right time and everybody else did too, because they hired me. (laughs) (laughs) So you mentioned you've been around in some way, shape or form since 2002. Yeah. What are some of the major strides you've seen um, over the past 15 years, obviously to the, now the civic theater. I mean, pretty much everybody in South Bend knows about it. 
Yeah. Well, I think the biggest one for us is back in 2006, we moved from our little firehouse, right. which was on Portage, and moved into our beautiful new historic building there right on 403 North Main. So it used to be a Church of Christ Scientist, and then it was a Masonic uh, building. The, the Scottish Rite owned it for about 40 years. So 50 years as Church of Christ Scientist, 40 years as Masonic, and then we've had it for about 11 years now. So, But that was a huge um, improvement for the theater because we went from having a tiny little theater that seat that that seat like sixty to two theaters, one that seats two ten and one that seats eighty. Wow! So we we were able to just increase, just we took it to the next level. Right. And you know, I I had volunteered back at the firehouse, and then when we had made the transition, and it just it feels so much different. We we have really kind of shown ourselves as one of the top 10 theater facilities in the nation. So civic theater is something that happens all over the country, but often it's in a little storefront or it's in, you know, a little building right. on the side or like a little firehouse, yeah. like, like we were in for 50 years. But we were able to, through the generosity of this of this community and through the support of not only individuals, but um, organizations and, and um corporations, you know, just everyone in South Bend to really take that next step and become a, a, something that it's a real jewel in the crown at South Bend, I think. It is. Yeah. Um, and I think most South Bend residents would agree. And especially with the downtown area, you know, it's just one more feather in the cap moving forward. Right. Uh, you know, to the exciting things. We do crowdsource a few questions from social media. All right. Um, I want to go ahead and just jump right into those. <laughs> Perfect. Um, First up would be if you could take us through what a day in your life looks like, both on just quote quote unquote an off day right. or a day of a performance and how they differ. Sure. Well, I mean, every day of the year, honestly, I am out there trying to represent just like I am today um, for South Bend Civic. You know, I really I feel like I'm the the face of the theater, so right. I need to be out there representing because I mean. Every, every performance, I ask the question, how many people are new? And I get dozens of people raising their hand. So I can't take it for granted that we are just ubiquitous. Like everybody knows about South Bend Civic because, you know, we've been here 60 years and we're still having dozens of people who've never been there before. Right. They might know about us, but I need to get people in the doors. So that's that's one thing, just kind of representing the theater and the community. And that that's 365. You know, there's never a break from that. I think people now recognize me as, as that face of the theater. And so I'm getting invited to talk and, and represent. But I think on show days, um, what's significantly different is just Open, flinging open the doors to the theater and just creating that environment of welcome. You know, we have 99% volunteer staff. You know, people are coming in out of the kindness of their heart and being ushers and being stage managers and actors and all those people. But you do have just a few people who need to make sure that they're they're maintaining that that excellence or that that spirit of welcome in the building because we have to make sure that somebody's volunteering that they know what what the civic is and what what they're expected to represent as as a representative of the civic so i mean a lot of my work is development a lot of it is i wear two hats the one side is the operational hat which is just you know keeping everything running smoothly the other side is the artistic side and that's not only in performance weeks i mean that's really all the time we're in rehearsal for three shows right now so i mean you you, you yeah, think about it, you know we just go one by one by one by one but really there's so much overlap so keeping track of that overlap and making sure that every production is getting the support that they need um, from the executive staff of the of the building, whether it's
it's whether it's the the money they need to purchase the props and costumes and all the things or if it's just volunteer support like do do they have enough people to help them build the set to help right. them c- create the costumes so like i said operational artistic um, and honestly development being out in the community saying hey this thing is spectacular this is like you said a jewel in the crown you know support us right <laughs> you right, know right, because right. a lot of people say you know you know when you're doing development you have to ask. Yeah. And so I'm proud of what we do at the Civic. And so I'm not ashamed to go out and say, you know, give us support. support. Right. Make this happen. Help us continue to do what we've been doing so well for 60 years. Now, a question that popped into my mind um, as I was hearing you answer that. You mentioned you've been around since 02 in various roles. Um, now that... I mean, you're pretty high up. And <laughs> like you mentioned, you have to do a lot of the development, go out, be the face of the Civic Theater... How much do you still get to work um, on the artistic side um, and really have any input there? Because I can assume that's something that will always keep pulling you back, wanting to be on the artistic side. Well, not as much as I'd like, but I understand. I've I've been in the position for six months now, so not a huge, long time. Um, But I told the board when I was hired, I need to give at least a year to the operational and the right. development side because we have just really turned around the organization. There was a couple of years where we weren't doing great. And just through the past six months, we've been able to get back in the black. And I want to make sure that that's not just a blip, right. you know, that that's, that's sustainable. And until I get the development um, engine running smoothly, I feel like it's irresponsible for me to really p- put my artistic hat on more than necessary. Right. I'm I'm going to be involved in a couple productions next year, not as a not as a lead director, but just as kind of a consultant and kind of an advisor. And I think that's a good place for me uh, in the next year. And then I would say in 2019, you'll see me directing and maybe maybe up on stage again. Good to we'll, know. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. <laughs> um. So. This is, we've been talking pretty much like micro South Bend um, from a more macro sense. What are some changes the past handful of years, um, not only civic theater, but just, you know, theater and theater production altogether, maybe some negative changes or positive changes that you've seen? I think it's what are we competing against? Okay. Um, with the advent of streaming and Netflix and that, I mean, everybody knows that you can do about anything from your sofa. Um I need to articulate why coming to the theater is better. And I think that the way to do that is by crafting experience. I think more and more millennials and even like I'm Gen X, I think we're looking for things you can't get anywhere else. Because in this in this Amazon economy where just anything is available, um, creating something that's, that's live, that's special, that's a one-off, um, that you could only get one time, that... That's how we can uh, differentiate what we do from going and seeing Star Wars at the at the theater. Right. You know, I love Star Wars, but it's going to be the same every time. <laughs> it's going to be the same in the theater. I mean, maybe if you have awesome Sonos Dolby surround, it'll be almost that good in your in your living room. But I'll guarantee you, every time you see a show at the Civic, it's going to be different, and it's going to have that energy, that communal experience that you just can't find anywhere else. Now you said you're six months into it. Has has it proved to be a little bit more difficult than you anticipated, or is about what you what you expected? I mean, with with 15 years under my belt, I mean, I kind of knew the organization I was stepping into. Right. Um, I feel like my mandate is to create that community because when we moved from the firehouse into this new space, there was kind of this feeling of, oh, okay, now we've grown up. Right. And now we how do how are we going to change? 
and and what do we keep and what do we throw away and i think we need to keep no matter what we need to keep that idea of community that idea of family because even though we're in a beautiful you know historic building that doesn't mean that our family is any less um, important that those volunteer hours are any less essential and i think when people saw us get into this new building they were like okay well they're good Right, right, right. They're yeah. fine. They're fine. Yeah. But I mean, the, the the requirements of taking care of a building and, and, and producing in a building like the one we're in right now um, increased, you know, three, four fold. And so the amount of family, the amount of community that we need to maintain or, you know, shepherd needs to increase three or four fold, too. So right. and that's that's, I think, maybe the biggest challenge for me is making sure that everybody knows how much it takes to do what we do. We produce almost a third more than any other civic theater that I know that's our size. Wow. Um, you know, most theaters our size are producing six, seven, eight shows a year. We're doing like a dozen. So with that kind of output, we just have to sustain those people coming coming in for the first time and then coming back over and over again. So when we get those trained helpers that we know that they're going to be coming back and helping us for the long haul. And you mentioned that um, you'll do close to a dozen shows uh, in a year. Before we get to 2018 and what to look forward to, you do have Christmas Story running right now, which is a story <laughs> everybody knows and loves, especially with the geography of the movie. Exactly. Uh, being around here, you want to talk about Christmas Story and what you have going on that right now a little yeah, bit? Yeah, absolutely. We are two weeks into a four-week run with a Christmas Story. Um, it is the classic story that you all know and love. It's it's very faithfully recreated on stage. So everything that you, you know, the leg lamp you know, and the bumpus hound, <laughs> And all, you know all that stuff that you remember um, is is lovingly recreated on stage. We have some of the fun things that you'll only find in a civic theater. The father and the son in the in the show. It's old, the old man is his only name they give him, and Ralphie um, are actually played by a father and son. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah, you know yeah. that's 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 really what makes it special. So you can come in and really feel like you're connecting to something bigger than yourself, um, bigger than just a movie that you, a tradition. You can, you can expand that tradition. Um, plus we have beer and wine now. Which hey. pe- people are excited about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, the show um, started on the 1st of December. It's been, it's been well received. We had sold out um, audience, uh, sold out houses on Saturday and Sunday this weekend. Uh, we have Wednesday through Sunday, um, this third weekend. And then just, I think, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or just, I think maybe just Friday, Saturday on that final weekend because we're getting right into Christmas and uh, we didn't want to do it on Christmas Eve. So it'll be the 22nd and 23rd there. Um, but, you know, th- some of the things that, that I love about it, I mean, we all we all remember that that movie, but to see it again, it's been so fun to watch parents bring their kids or even grandparents bring their kids and then they bring their kids you know you got multiple generations like experiencing this show for the first time in some cases and just watching the kids uh react to this to this story that has enchanted all of us for you know 30 40 years but that that's the cool part is is that communal experience of watching a show that you've you've loved forever and seeing just strangers experiencing it fresh and at the end of the night you know you have 200 people who have just just bonded in a really wonderful way right. so i love that that's that's my favorite thing about theater honestly and you mentioned the father and son um being cast for those outside the um theater kind of realm and you know don't really get into this a whole lot the question i've got a couple times is how does the casting process go? Oh, sure. um, you don't have to go too in depth with it, but <laughs> give us a little bit of background there. Well, like I said, we're, we're a community theater, you know, so we're, we pride ourselves on having open open auditions. Um, you know, people 
people are probably we're, we're averaging about 30, 40% new faces wow. at our auditions. So the word is getting out that, you know, it's not a little click. I mean, we, we cast the most talented person who auditions. I mean, for instance, we just cast a show called In the Heights, which is Lin-Manuel Miranda's um, first show, the Before Hamilton. And I bet 90% of the people who are going to be in that show you've never seen on our stages wow, before. Wow, that's fantastic. Which is awesome, and I love it. And so I guess the process is, we have cold auditions most of the time, and I'll start defining all these jargony things. Yeah. But it basically means you walk in without really needing to prepare anything. So many people think, okay, I'm going to audition. Oh, I bet they need, you know, a monologue, and they I need to get some Shakespeare, and you know, you know, right. all this stuff. No, you walk into the room, we <laughs> hand you a piece of paper with some words on it, and and you you learn the words, you you run them with a couple of strangers, and you know, next thing you know, you're in this cool new family, you know, rehearsing a show. They don't have to memorize any. You don't got to memorize. Memorize okay. anything, you know. Memorize something, you know. Once you get cast, yeah, you're gonna yeah. memorize it. Then. <laughs> but before then, uh, you know, we we feel like we don't want to put any barriers up to keep somebody from being part of this crazy thing that we do. You know, if you start saying you have to memorize X Y Z, you have to come with 16 bars of music and yada yada yada, and a headshot and a resume and all this stuff. Okay, you just lost 90 percent of the people who might be interested in doing exactly. this. Right. So you know, somebody can just at the top of the day say you know what I just saw that Facebook post I'm going to go audition and they can and they would be on a level playing field with anybody else who's auditioning for a show so yeah the doors are open come in we want as many new people involved in the theater as possible so try it out fantastic we we do have one more uh, crowdsource question before we get into our quick lightning round (laughs) Um, so this is so you're say you're speaking to a college student. They'd like to get into either the performance or production side mm-hmm. um, of theater or local theater. Um, what's some advice you'd have for them um, on either avenue? Well, I just say work. You know, do theater. You know, whether it's whether it's volunteering backstage. I'm glad you mentioned that because there is so much opportunity backstage right. in theaters. And honestly, as far as lucrative careers go, you have much more opportunity on the technical side. There's so much work out there for people, um, but Aside from just work, um, make friends and realize it is a small world. So there is not room for prima donnas, especially when you're in your 20s. <laughs> Always good advice. Always good advice. <laughs> you know, so just just work hard. Be nice. I mean, those are the those are the two things I would say. And just don't say no for a while. You know, there's so much there's so much opportunity. So build up your chops. I mean, it takes a lot of a lot of hours on stage to really develop this craft. Uh, very rarely, and I would say almost never, is somebody going to come fully formed as just this incredible talent. You know, even you know, child actors that you see have put in hundreds and thousands of hours even before they're ten. It's crazy. So you think they're just this phenom that comes out of nowhere? No, they've been paying their dues. And I would say, for me, even you know, I I've worked in you know half a dozen theaters in this area, and it's just the more the merrier. Get out there, try. You know, take any part that's offered to you, because I, I guarantee you're going to learn not just from the director, but from other actors. You're going to learn from the technicians. You know, say yes to sound design. Say yes to stage management. Say yes to all those opportunities, because it's just going to make you better, and it's going to it's going to build your network. And you never know who's going to be the person who says, "Yeah, give them a try," because I worked with them and they were cool. Good advice. <laughs> <laughs> And you did mention, so um, 
you know, pretty much anyone could come out to be on theater and be on the performance side. Are there opportunities with a South Bend Civic Theater from the production side? Absolutely. Yeah. And um, we do ask that there's a, you know, a little bit of background. So if you're going to build a set, you know, I, if you had picked up a hammer, that would be helpful. You know, if if you want to volunteer for costumes, it'd be great if you knew how to operate a sewing machine. Right. Um, but at the same time, I feel like we we are an educational theater. So if you just want to learn, um, just send us an email. You know, whether it's me at Aaron at sbct.org or just going through the website, there's opportunities through there too, just to to check it out. Come up to the box office and say, hey, I want to volunteer. We'll we'll find a way to put you in. We have a production manager that that takes uh, expressed interest and plugs that into, you know, all the different processes we have. So if you're if you're not an actor, that's fine. Great. I mean, it takes it takes all kinds, and we love our volunteers who come in. We have a couple retirees who come in and build sets a couple times a day, and they're some of our best volunteers. So there's so much opportunity, and it doesn't necessarily have to take up your whole life. It can just take you know however many hours you have in the week. We're open nine to six, and then during productions, we're open in the evenings too. So there's all kinds of opportunity depending on that that can work within any schedule. And it seems pretty common. You know, everybody, you know, they'll go to the theater and they enjoy the show. It's usually very underrated how many hours total go into that, <laughs> how many different pairs of hands go into that. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts that have to make it work. So like you said, the more the merrier. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Thank you for the shout out. <laughs> yeah. um, so tell us about what you have coming up in 2018, you know, after we get past the Christmas season here. Oh, yeah. We we have, like I said, a, a dozen shows. Um, almost every month we have a production opening. The The next one is called Boeing Boeing, like the plane. Um, there is a, a man who has uh, three fiancés who are each international flight attendants, Ooh. and each of them has different schedules, and so they never <laughs> encounter each other until there's a big storm and they're all oh, stuck in Paris this <laughs> same weekend so um, as I mean like I said we have family crazy fun that that one's a little more mature but but still family friendly probably PG um, and then up next we have and and I guess this is not something I really mentioned except in passing we have two different theaters we have our big auditorium which is upstairs that's where we do our big comedies our family shows and our big musicals but then downstairs we have our studio theater which is a black box and if you don't know what that means it basically means it's incredibly intimate there you're only two three four uh, rows away from the action. In some cases, you know, they're performing literally right in front of you. So I think that's some of where our best work comes. And we have a, a show called God of Carnage that's going to be downstairs, four-person show. Basically, what happens when uh, you take the gloves of civility off? The the one There's two parents, two sets of parents. One of the kids knocked another kid's tooth out on the playground. And the kids are never in the show. It's basically the parents ah, trying to figure like out that. how they deal with this. Um, so, again, it's a play of manners, but manners that rapidly devolve into <laughs> some pretty <laughs> some pretty black comedy kind of activity. Um, and then, like I said, In the Heights is our next one in March. That is Lin-Manuel Miranda, the guy who did Hamilton. So, he, you know, everybody knows who that is. Right. Um, this, we're actually um, premiering that show 10 days to the – I'm sorry, 10 years to the day that in the Heights uh, debuted on Broadway. Very cool. So we have so much happening with that. It's been an incredible outreach into the uh, Latin American community here. So we have the the cast needed to be between 16 and 18. The, the auditions went so well that we cast 30. Wow. So we are partnering with La Casa de Amistad. We're partnering with the Latin American Chamber of Commerce, all kinds of wonderful organizations, Navarre Hospitality Group. Um, so 
to make that more than just a musical, it's it's going to be just this celebration of the Latin American culture here in South Bend. Uh, that's not that's something we've never done before, so we were a little nervous, but we worked really hard and it paid off because we have an incredible cast, we have an incredible production team that's going to make something like you've never seen with, you know, hip hop and salsa and all kinds of really amazing stuff on stage. Uh, but then still, I mean, later in the year, we're doing My Fair Lady. So, okay. uh, you know, a musical everybody knows and loves. Uh, we're going into, I can't announce what it, it what the is because I'm not allowed to contractually, but it's uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber and it is a super show that you oh, might you yeah. might know. So <laughs> find me at South Bend Civic Theater and I will tell you what it is, but I cannot put it out in the media yet. Uh, then we're doing a show called The Secret Garden. Um, and then those are the musicals that we're doing, um, all, all tremendous. And then two shows at Christmas. Uh, in the midst of all of that, we're doing another comedy called The Nerd, another dark comedy called Skylight, um, a wonderful Pulitzer Prize winning play that details brotherhood in the African-American community called Top Dog Underdog. We're doing Shakespeare. We're doing... So, I mean, there's so much happening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you're never going to... All of that has just fallen out of your head, our dear listeners. So, I know that there's so much going on. Check us out, sbct.org, sbct.org. And there's, there's so much to do. We're doing for the first time at Christmas next year, so a full year out we're doing two shows at the same time we haven't done that for a while but basically we're you know every other night there'll be a show in one of our two theaters and we think that's going to be fun we have a a, a, just a a really poignant christmas holiday musical called christmas schooner it was huge in chicago and we're it's a a regional premiere and then another show downstairs called a nice family christmas which is anything but it is a, a very dark comedy about the what what if all of the stereotypical worst things that could happen at a Christmas dinner <laughs> happened? That one uh, sounds very interesting. Yeah, and so and that's what I'm saying. You know, there. If you like classic musicals, we got it. If you like new crazy hip hop salsa, we got it. If you like, you know, dark edgy theater, we got it. The the thing, the nice thing about doing so much is that we really can. Um, show you the best of theater, no matter what genre it is, and we really love the people who take advantage of like a season ticket and say, I trust you. I'm going to come and see everything that you're doing. And I'm going to come out the other side informed and, you know, invigorated and just, just feeling like I've experienced something really special through the work that you're doing. And I think that that trust has been growing over the past few years. You ask what's changed. And our season ticket sales have just skyrocketed this year because I think our audiences know no matter what they come and see, it's going to be good. Right. Yeah. And like you said, some of the challenges to get people, you know, whether it's off the couch, if it's Netflix, Amazon Prime, you don't really ever hear of anybody that says, I went to the theater, I didn't have a very good time. I probably wouldn't <laughs> go back. That's pretty rare to hear. Yeah, and I, and I think it it it's that trust. You know, you know if you if you're going to come to and I'll guarantee it. Come up to me after a show and you and I'll I'll guarantee you're going to have a good time. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's going to be different kinds of times, but isn't that what it's all about is just exploring new stories? And that's I think that's our job as a theater is to is to tell tell the story of humanity and I'm getting super deep right now but oh, but it's kind of true right keep I mean diving. <laughs> you you want you want to I think empathy is one of those one of those lessons that you have to expose yourself to different stories different people different lives um, to really understand what it is to be human and theater is one of those places where you can do that because you're not only are you watching a story but you're experiencing it communally 
with this really diverse group of people. And I mean, there's been times where, you know, you're in a room full of stranger and you're weeping, you know, at a play. I did, I directed a play about Alzheimer's and it was just so poignant to, to explore this together. And then at the end, sometimes we have talkbacks and this crazy group of strangers just becomes bonded in this shared experience. And you don't get that with Netflix. No, you do not. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, you can watch the you can mo- watch the most poignant movie in the world, but you you go get a slice of pizza out of the, <laughs> right. out of the toaster oven halfway yeah. through. You know, you don't have that you uninterrupted uh, communal experience, and I think that's what we do so well. And and don't think it's just depressing. I mean, we that that experience of joy communally can do the same thing. And I think the arts do a great job of that, whether it's visual art or music art or, you know, any of the other things. But I think theater is that great coming together of all the arts um, to create this, in my opinion, perfect right. way of, of, of experiencing another, another life. And before we kind of wrap things up here to get into the lighter side, you want to, you want to knock out a few lightning round questions? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All Let's right. go. Let's do this. All right. First up, favorite area restaurant? Um, Cafe Navarre. Cafe Navarre. That's a good answer. Okay. I, can I have it tied with oh. Cambodian Thai? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. you're, you're kind of getting two different, you know, avenues there. You're getting like a <laughs> quick lunch spot right, versus... Right. Those two are probably my favorites. And yeah. both downtown South Bend. We like those answers. Um, have you ever been stuck on an elevator? Uh, no. No. Do you ride a lot of elevators? Not often, but Never I have been, been on, I've been on enough that I now that you've asked this question, <laughs> invariably I'm going to be stuck uh, on yeah, elevator. So I hear thank that you, a Kyle. Lot. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> um so favorite city in the US other than let's say other than South Bend or Goshen. Okay. Um probably New Orleans. Ooh, I've been there a few yeah. times and every time it changes me. It is a cool town. And how much does the food the food in plays that. in a lot, yeah. yeah. I mean, because you can get anything anytime, and I think it's the the fact that New Orleans is always open, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what. I was eating beignets at five in the morning one time, and There's I'm just nothing like, wrong with what? That. and that was not uh, that was not an early breakfast. Let's just say that. <laughs> All right, we have a couple more here. This one, um, oh, we might dive into Netflix here. But what's Uh-oh. your favorite TV show? Oh man. Like ever or like current? You can do ever current. You can name off a few. Oh man! Okay, um, I was I'm really digging Stranger Things. I've, oh yeah, I've, I've, I've enjoyed that a lot. I loved Dexter and Six Feet Under. Um, let's see, Game of Thrones. Yeah, I'll give you that one. Um, what what's um, Broad City? Okay, if you're yeah. looking for just straight up comedy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're probably learning a lot about me right now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I just started um, the Man in the High Castle, and I'm digging that. It's a, I think it's a, a Amazon Prime original. Okay. Hey, some good answers. There you go. All right. <laughs> One more. What is, and this can be from um, the performance, can be from the movie. What is your favorite line or scene from a Christmas story? Oh man. From, okay, let's see. I probably the uh, the car. When the when the, when the they the tire breaks oh, yeah. and and the yeah the the slow motion yeah. loss of the lug nuts, I think that yeah. <laughs> in my memory that that's my favorite. I mean, probably closely followed by the tongue on the flagpole. Yeah, that one's scene. classic. Yeah, the double dog, triple dog dare. Yeah, some good answers again. 
again, I wanted to thank you for coming on. Um, you know, really had a good time. I I want you to get. I want to give you one last chance again to plug. Um, you know, you have Christmas story going on here. Yeah. Um, you've mentioned it a couple times, but tell them again in case now they have a paper and pen where they can find you, where they can find information on the Civic Theater. Film in. Absolutely. Um, our box office is open uh, 9 to 6, Monday through Friday. It's 574-234-1112. That's 234-1112. And, uh, yeah, call in. We'll tell you everything you need to know. But you can go to the website, too. We have all that information on the website as well, which is just sbct.org. So South Bend Civic Theater, those letters, sbct.org. Fantastic. Well, I, I appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for coming on. Um, and all you listeners, uh, we are now wrapping up part one, but stay tuned for part two after this quick word from a sponsor. Hey, you, are you looking to buy or sell a home? Call Rocky Verderamo of Wycurt Realtors and let a lifelong South Bend resident guide you through the process. Reach Rocky at 574-210-7470 or visit RockyVerderamo.com. All right, and welcome to part two of episode five of the South Bend Beat Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Kyle O'Connor. And for part two... We have Grammy-nominated Alistair Willis, the music director of the South Bend Symphony. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for coming on. Um, So in part one, I started the show off asking Aaron the same question. I'll ask you, how do you deal with the snow? Are you a fan or (laughs) not really? I'm not really a fan of snow unless I'm skiing. Okay. I love skiing, but where I live in Seattle, lived there for the last 17 years, it's the roads are slick for all the rain. Yeah, right. Occasionally ice, very rarely snow. But these last few days, I have been driving very carefully <laughs> here. This is a whole, it feels like a whole new experience. But uh, Now does snow, or not snow, but rain being in Seattle for so long, does rain just annoy you now? Or do you love it? I, I don't think I've ever loved rain, <laughs> but you learn to live with it. So, Okay. Well, uh, we're going to jump right into it here. Um, I mentioned you're the music director for the South Bend Symphony. Um you have home for the holidays coming up. Some exciting things in 2018. Before we get to that, uh, give us a little bit more of your background and kind of your career path and your South Bend story. How you ended up here? Oh gosh. Um, well, I I've always had music in my household growing up. My dad loved jazz. Thought he could sing, but really couldn't. My mother <laughs> could play a few uh, a few hymns on the piano, but my biggest in- influence, of course, was my older sister who. Uh, plays the French horn and uh, plays still today in a small band called the Berlin Philharmonic. Oh, okay. (laughs) So she really has inspired me. I was a trumpet player back then and hats off to my parents and our middle sister (laughs) who had to live through that practice going on every day in the house. But um, lived all over the world with, uh, my dad was a journalist, so I lived in Russia from the ages of five to 10. Wow. We all learned piano. I picked up the trumpet uh, when we moved to England, uh, age 10, and did my, the formative years of my schooling there, hence the, the more English than American accent. But I was born in America. Okay. So I'm, I'm half, and, half and half, if you will. Now, where were you born? In Acton, Massachusetts. Okay. Just okay. outside of Boston. All right. So I've lost that accent too. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I've spent the last uh, 20 odd years uh, here in America. I studied at Rice University, 
uh, doing my master's there. I got a job straight out of school with the Cincinnati Symphony, then went to the Seattle Symphony as their assistant conductor for three years in 2000 to 2003. I've guest conducted all over the world. Uh, I love traveling and guest conducting. It really is um, my own mini Silk Road of picking up so many traditions from all different styles of music and orchestral playing around the world. They are they are very different. Each each country has different styles of a violin or woodwind or brass playing, and it, I, I love experiencing all that and shaping a symphony with with who I have in front of me. And uh, I was most recently the music director of the Illinois Symphony Orchestra, so I no stranger to the Midwest. But this is my first season as South Bend Symphony. Uh, music director, and I am absolutely thrilled to be here. And uh, at the moment, I'm I'm flying in f- from Seattle, uh, where my where my my family lives, and uh, ultimately uh, I'm hoping to to get a place here and and make this more of a permanent home. Oh, that's great to hear. Well, we're happy to have you, um, South Bend. Obviously, um, anytime elite talent such as yourself comes to the area, you know we hope to keep you not and not have you head back uh, to the West Coast. What have been some of the uh, bigger adjustments going from Seattle, and then you said you were in Illinois and Indiana, pretty similar. You might get a little bit more. I don't know where in Illinois you were. Uh, in Springfield, so mid middle. Okay, state. so you get a little bit more lake effect for the weather here. Yes, but uh, is the weather probably the biggest adjustment you've had? Um, yeah, I, I would say so. But having lived in Russia, I certainly know what <laughs> this is snow nothing. and cold. Is, but that was such a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but uh, the weather is always difficult because you have what to pack for and if I'm on the road for three or four weeks and one of the weeks is in Hawaii the other next week is in Alaska then you know you you you, you've got to think ahead and make sure you pack the right clothes Um, but uh, no it's um, the adjustment has been very very quick here everyone's been so uh, welcoming it's opposite of the weather the welcoming has been so warm (laughs) and it's just been great to get to know everybody the the symphony is 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 the orchestra musicians are fantastic we've had several five concerts that i've conducted this season so far and we're going from strength to strength there they're such a joy to work with they're they're so keen and so eager and 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 it's it's a wonderful working environment that i'm enjoying very much you don't always get that when you guest conduct um not every orchestra wants to really wants to play they could be tired they could be it could be the the time of the season or who knows Uh, but every time i'm here the energy is fantastic from the orchestra and i'm really really enjoying that the board is fantastic the the um the staff have have really welcomed me as well and are doing wonderful things and we're i sense we're we're poised to be doing some great things uh, in the next few years and it's really an exciting time to be here look at the city i mean look what mayor pete has been doing it's i mean everything is on the up here and and I'm uh, having a great time. And that and that's what's exciting is when you look at the city and even where it'll be probably in a few years from now. Um, and just, you know, keep bringing, whether it's uh, Notre Dame students that are sticking around when they would have traditionally left or bringing in talent such as yourself to our city. Um, it's exciting times. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that, let's talk about the immediate future here a little bit. Tell us a little bit about Home for the Holidays. I, I Everywhere I go downtown, I keep hearing about this. So fill us in. This is the South Bend Symphony Orchestra's biggest concert of the season. We have two performances, Saturday night and then Sunday afternoon at the Morris uh, Center. And uh, this is my first Home for the Holidays with the South Bend Symphony. Uh, but I've, of course, done many programs similar to this. When I got the job... This, this season that we're currently in was already all programmed, including this concert, uh, which is a real gift. So what I'm doing now is programming future seasons, the 2018-19 right. season and beyond. But uh, 
This particular program, I would say, was the brainchild of Tony Kamnikar, our director of operations, okay. who has a particular affinity and love and experience with Holiday Pops concerts. And he's put together this incredible program full of classics that you would expect, traditional classics, but also modern, more relevant, more uh, up-to-date arrangements of of Christmas music that we'll be playing for the first time. But that will be familiar. There's nothing that you, you won't know, but it'll be a, a presented in a new way and, and sounding a little different and more fresh, if you will. Um, nothing stodgy about this program at all, which, which is really important to know um, because we've got an energy that on stage that we won't have experienced before here, I'm told, or I won't have experienced before myself. Helping that will be our soloist, which is Lakeisha Jones who, a name you might f sound, f sound familiar right. if you watched American Idol. She was a finalist right. on season six. Amazing pair of lungs. I mean, she can sing, and to have her on stage uh, joining us, it's just going to be electric. And you mentioned um, not only Home for the Holidays, but you're also looking at 2018, 2019, mm -hmm. and beyond. Um, fill, us, fill us in a little bit. Um, maybe people listen to this episode a little later, and maybe they just want to start planning for 2018 and what they can hear. Uh, tell us what you're going to have planned starting January and beyond throughout the rest of the year. Well, we have uh, uh, something for everyone. This Home for the Holidays is for families, is for, is for people of all, children of all ages, as we say, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and uh, groups, and, and it's, it's, it just sells so well. It's, such, it's a staple here. But we have something for everybody for the rest of the season as well. We have, if you like, choral music. We've got Verdi's Requiem, one of the most powerful and dramatic requiems ever composed uh, with the combined choir, local choirs uh, from Notre Dame and from, from several other places and the, the orchestra playing and four world-renowned soloists coming. If you like big symphonic music, we have Shostakovich's Fifth Symphony and Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony coming up. Uh, we have a soloists from our own orchestra playing in, a, in a, the Four Horns um, in our section are playing a piece by, William, uh, by Robert Schumann called the Concertstück, which is a concerto for four horns. It's a great, usually you see what, one uh, piano or, or a violin or a one horn up front, but then you get the whole section coming up front. It's an amazing piece of music. We have um, our, uh, our former principal pianist, Wachtheim um, Kondonashvili is coming back to play Beethoven's Emperor Concerto. So if you like piano music, it doesn't get much better than this. Uh, we're thrilled to have him back. an amazing pianist, amazing piece of music. On the Mosaic series, which is our, our smaller uh, chamber orchestra, we're delving into the world of Handel uh, coming up in January. We're also um, doing a, a piece focus, a program focusing on Italy. So Mendelssohn's Italian Symphony, a piece by uh, Respighi and uh, Wolf Ferrari and Puccini. Uh, just a great, uh, spend an afternoon with us in Italy, if you will, but that will be, of course, at the um, De Bartolo Center, so you don't have to take a plane or anything. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, on the pop side, we have uh, Tony Dessar coming to, to uh, an amazing pianist, uh, songwriter and singer, coming to do our final pops of the season. That's at around the t same time as our gala in in end of April, April 28th, and the gala's 26th. And uh, we have uh, an Irish celebration of Pops uh, around St. Patrick's Day before that. So uh, that just leaves an added concert that we added this year, which is a family concert. Uh, we're reaching out we're, to our community. We're, if, if you have a young family and they might be interested in Peter and the Wolf, we're putting that on with uh, actors um, and again in the De Bartolo Center. And there's just so much going on. There's so many concerts, so much for everybody. And it's really, really an exciting season. 
that's that that does sound very exciting and so we have home for the holidays coming up we have a loaded 2018 coming up um I'm excited. I can tell just by the way you relay in the information, you're excited. Uh, so that's good to know. Let's get to a few. I mentioned to you before we came on air that we crowdsourced some questions from social media. Um, so I wanted to get to a couple of those. Um, first up, um, take us through a typical day for you. Um, I know you travel a lot, but let's say you're in South Bend. Um, take us through a typical day and then maybe a performance day uh-huh. and how they differ. That, that's great. So we've got the two different days because um, the performance day is usually somewhat similar, but the other day could be anything. Okay. Let's just take today, for example. I had uh, two uh, um, radio interviews uh, over at, um, would it be WS, um, I forget the name of the, the station, I should know that. WSBT? W- yes, thank you. Yep. WSBT, I had uh, an interview with JT and then with, uh, with uh, Marco. Okay. And uh, so I drove out there and I did them in person. I'd actually had interviews with them before, but they had been remote when I was in Europe okay. and then when I was in Seattle by phone. So it was great to meet them at last and see them. <laughs> and uh, so I, then I had a lunch with some some, uh, some long-time symphony uh, supporters and, and um, donors, which was very important. I've had two meetings in the office discussing repertoire for next season. And, uh, and this evening I have uh, another dinner to go to. Um, so that's essentially my... my you wear a, many hats. A day. I wear yeah. many hats, and other things that could be um, scheduled for me would include uh, maybe a board meeting, if okay. that happens when I'm in town, or, or a programming committee to speak about the, the, the programming for, for the next few seasons, or any kind of um, meeting with a librarian, let's say, or uh, we had an office staff party uh, the, the, um, the other day. That, that's unusual, but that was on my schedule. Yeah. I wasn't going to miss that. <laughs> that was great fun. So um, really, my job is to get out into the community as much as I can to promote the symphony, as well as looking long term for it. But a performance day. Um, so let's take a Saturday when well, performances are, are mainly on a Saturdays. Of course, home for the holidays is Saturday and Sunday. But on a Saturday, there's always a dress rehearsal that starts at 11 o'clock. And I'll get up not not too early because we will have had a rehearsal the night before, okay. and which ends at 10 p.m. And I don't know any other musicians out there listening. If, if when I rehearse till 10 p.m., I can't really go to sleep till 2 a.m. Okay. So I'm really grateful that the rehearsal the next day starts at 11. Yeah. <laughs> and not Actually at, get a little bit of sleep. And not at 9 or 8, exactly. <laughs> so um, so uh, I'm still buzzing from the rehearsal the night before on a performance day in the morning. Always have to eat a very, very, uh, eat my Wheaties, a big breakfast. <laughs> um, so the dress rehearsal starts at 11, goes till 1.30, and put the final touches uh, on, on the concert. And there's rarely something planned for me between dress rehearsal and concert. So if there is, it, it wouldn't be too long because the focus on a concert day should be the music, and and it it, it is. So before the con- I'll go I'll go back I'll have a big lunch I'll take a nap if I can revise my music and uh, I might even go for a run if I'm if if, if it's not snowing You're outside. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then. Uh, For a classical masterworks concert, there's a pre-concert talk that happens an hour before each concert, so that'll be at 6.30. It uh, lasts for 30 minutes, so I'll be in the hall probably around 6 o'clock, just getting ready, do the talk before 6.30 to 7, then have 30 minutes to do whatever I need to do, get dressed, um, concert clothes, chat to some musicians, speak to the soloist, and the concert starts at 7.30. But 
it's my day's not over when the concert's over because there's often a reception or a meeting or a dinner with 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 important people or meeting the public or or just saying hi to friends um, or the musicians. But there's some official capacity usually after a concert, so it's a long day. <laughs> it sounds like um, a long day, <laughs> but it's it's the most exhilarating exhilarating day, and we we live for concert days. Okay, getting to next. Um, have you ever had to battle through a the show must go on type of moment where maybe something didn't go as planned or to this point has it all pretty much been smooth sailing i'm i'm glad to say it's been pretty much smooth sailing yeah, i mean there have been a, yeah knock on wood <laughs> um there have been a, a few moments um i mean i, I when i think of uh, <laughs> two friends of mine it, it hasn't really happened to me but they were conducting in south america yeah let's hear it and they uh they both had food poisoning or montesuvius revenge whatever it was and, <laughs> and they had to leave the stage <laughs> between the movements of the music to um to take care of things and uh, the show had to go on the yeah. audience just yeah, had to be patient qualify. and that would certainly <laughs> hasn't happened to me knock on wood yeah. um, I remember you know silly things I once lost my kamabund in the second movement of Vorschach's Eighth Symphony and uh, I'm not sure everybody, anybody noticed it except the cellos which couldn't keep a straight, yeah. <laughs> couldn't keep a straight face <laughs> with the rest of the concert but uh, no I mean I've, I've had the, the the power lights flicker on and off but we haven't the music hasn't stopped the show went on okay um, there was one moment I was working with a circus company, Circus Flora, in St. Louis. And, of course, when you work with performers like that, they, they like to have some freedom in their act. And I was working with the, with the world record Hula Hooper. I'm ashamed to say I've forgotten her name. Anastasia, I think, is her first name. Um, but she was absolutely amazing. And she, uh, she, she's got the world record for how many hula hoops she can hula hoop keep up keep in motion for a certain amount of time and just incredible and at the end of this piece of music um it was from uh, Bizet's Carmen there's a trill which ends and she has finished her act by then now she hadn't gotten to the end for whatever reason and uh, uh, she had the big finale was to put all the hoops around and everyone's going well, how do you do that and she she was you know if you have a if you have a pit orchestra in in a circus maybe three or four players who are used to vamping and watching and know the acts really well they could they would have extended that automatically she wouldn't have given it a second thought but she knew that this was now the, the second or third performance she knew that the music was coming to an end and she hadn't had time to do it all for whatever reason and uh, i looked around to her and i noticed she hadn't done it uh, and she looked at me as if she was about to take her bow, and I just held that trill. I held that trill. I looked at her. I nodded it to her, and she she knew exactly what I was doing. I was going to give her time to do that big ending. Of course, the woodwind players of the St. Louis Symphony were amazing. They had to take a few breaths because it you know, went on for a long time, and and then and they all understood what was going on. And we waited for her big moment. She did her big moment. We gave the final chord, and the whole place erupted. And I got the most incredible hug from her afterwards, saying That's that you awesome. know I'd, I'd made her look good, and uh, I'd done my job. And that was in the moment. And the show kind of had to pause for a minute, but it it went on. That's fantastic, yeah. absolutely fantastic. Well, let's get to one more uh, crowdsource question here, um, and I asked the same question to Aaron in part one. Um, so say someone listening, they're a college student, and they they say, you know, I want to follow the career path or I want to be where Alistair is. Um, that's what I want to do with my career. Any advice you would give them? Oh, gosh. Um, there's so much advice I, I, I could give that was given to me that helped me. The obvious and the 
perhaps not so helpful, but the obvious advice is the same advice on how you get to Carnegie Hall. Practice, practice, <laughs> practice. <laughs> but it's more than that. You have to really love what you do. It's Every industry is tough, and you have to have a passion for it that will see you through the tough times. Uh, we all love the great times, and the great times, the highs are really high in music. And you, you just have to love so much to, to be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel to see the big picture and so that's my advice I'd say keep your passion going practice of course learn your craft but then stay true to yourself and love what you do and it sounds like you're saying the passion will I mean like you said the highs are very high but the passion will carry you through the lows right as well right mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. well let's I'm going to cheat a little bit here and move a lightning round question to a question that I had before because okay. I think it'll be a little bit more expanded on your answer. Um, the lightning round question is favorite city in the U.S. other than obviously the one you're in. Mm -hmm. I want to kind of transform that and ask, uh, you mentioned you travel a lot. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of your favorite countries uh, to go and have performances? Mm, gosh, favorite countries. Okay. Or cities, either way. Ah, well, well, let me go with countries first. Okay. I love visiting Brazil. Okay, uh, it's it's a challenging place to visit, but uh, in in many many ways. But the people there and the musicians that I work with, especially the youth orchestra in Bahamansa, which is about an hour and a half outside of Rio, are just so loving, so amazing, so appreciative, and so warm. And it's one of the toughest gigs of, of my season to go there when you see the poverty and you see the uh, the those who haven't don't have anything at all um, uh, these this orchestra was begun on uh, just like the El Sistema in Venezuela where you, you you give a kid a violin instead of a gun and and music saves lives and it means much more it's 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 essential to, to life and to be a part of that for a week or two weeks there is always I always come back so rich in spirit and I really feel that I've given something and I've gotten something back as well um, so I love visiting Brazil I of course love visiting Europe where, where my I guess my roots would be if not in Acton Massachusetts right. <laughs> <laughs> and my family still lives in England and my sister plays in Berlin and so I, I love Europe but uh, Canada, I love Canada. Um, I've conducted all over Canada, but one place which is a bit unusual is the Middle East. I've conducted okay. the, the Qatar Philharmonic about eight times now, and they're a terrific orchestra, and they have an enviable situation, which is no budget worries. <laughs> I mean, yeah, with the oil good. and the financials, <laughs> I mean, it's it's really an incredible experience to to go there and and see, you know their traditions it's an Eastern European tradition orchestra but living in that part of the world and my middle sister the non-musician worked out there for a while so I was a bit familiar with it and of course that's the longest plane flight in the world to get to how long um, from Seattle it's a 15-hour uh, uh, that's just to Dubai and then you got a short hop over to Doha <laughs> in Qatar so <clears throat> this, this is exhausting um, but uh, there's always the anticipation of going somewhere a country that I've not been I mean, I, I, I've got to mention, you know, Japan and China. Mm -hmm. I, I love these countries, too. Uh, so, And there's so many more that I, I love America, conducting all right. Now, favorite city? Oh, that is a really tough one. My favorite city in the world is Berlin. Okay. I've conducted there only once. Other places in Germany I've conducted. But I think because it is really, for me, the center of classical music. It has one of the best orchestras in the world, the Berlin Philharmonic, which 
I happen to have a connection with from my sister. So you can imagine in my earlier student days, what I've got to do is show up in Berlin and I've got free access, unlimited access to the best orchestra in the world, in my opinion, the best conductors, the best soloists, the best musicians, and to, you know, there are, there are several opera houses there and, and several other amazing orchestras. So it's a city that's alive with music and it inspires me every time that I'm there. Fantastic. Very well traveled. Yeah. Um, let's get to a few a uh, little bit more lighthearted, lighten okay. the ground questions. Yeah, sure. um, we'll start off with favorite area restaurant. Here in, Here in, in, South, in South Bend? Bend? Yeah. Gosh. I haven't I haven't experienced them all and I keep going to great ones but my favorite one at the moment is Tapestry because it's so close. Yeah. It's between okay. the Morris and the offices and so I So a really, short little really hike for you. Very short hike. <laughs> Let's go next with um have you being well traveled I assume you've been on a lot of these so I'm curious of the answer. Have you ever been stuck on an elevator? Not for very long. I've but you have been but stuck. But I have been stuck on an elevator. It wasn't more than, you know, five minutes or so. It wasn't terrifying? It wasn't terrifying, and I, there were other people in there, and I think, I think if I remember correctly, uh, one of them said, oh, this happens all the time. Don't worry, we'll be fine. <laughs> oh, good to know. And it, it wasn't like on the 300th floor of a 600, you know. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't dramatic. Like, like you're not going to make a Hollywood movie out of this <laughs> one. But uh, stuck on a plane is a whole nother. <laughs> Delayed on a plane and, and no communication from the pilot as to how long you're going to be You've there. probably had that one quite a oh, few times. countless times, yes. <laughs> what, can you ballpark the longest wait you've had on a plane? Uh, um, well, I've been on... I've, I don't mean stuck like you're in in motion. I mean just sat there on the, on the on the tarmac a couple of summers ago. The heat was just ridiculous and the air conditioning wasn't working. I think we were on the plane for three hours on the tarmac. Oh no! It was something like that. But I know I know people with far worse stories. So I am I'm I'm not complaining. You know, you've always got to pack more patience when you travel. Yeah, three hours is rough though. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, do you have? I don't know how much TV you watch. You have a favorite TV show? Um, I. We don't have a TV at home. We do, but we just watch, you know, uh, maybe uh, movies on it, okay. Netflix and things. And um, I don't really watch much TV. Any favorite movies? Um, gosh, uh, lots of favorite movies. We this summer we we did a Harry Potter uh, a thon with, oh, with yeah. my eleven year old stepson. And uh, how long did that take? Oh, a couple of weeks. You know, yeah. we didn't we didn't watch them all in one day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I could give you exact hours because those movies themselves are pretty long. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I just I just love those in the books as well. But um, I feel I'm missing something that would show me in a better light. You know, oh, a, no. a bit more of a serious, you know, intellectual movie. But I can't think of no, one yeah, right this now. This is the side we want to get to know of you. Yeah, I know there are three or four coming out soon that are that are really really good that I want to see. What's that? Name um, a couple of them. A Greatest Showman on Earth. I love okay. Circus. So that's that's come. I can't wait to see that. Lady Bird, I think, is the name of it. It's coming okay. out soon. The Star Wars just came out. I haven't seen that yet. I, I can't wait to see. I grew up, you know, in in that in that time. And John Williams' music, of course, is the yeah. biggest draw for me. Um, and there, and there are a few others that uh, always some great mov- movies come out at, at Christmas. Well, staying on the lighter side for your last lightning round question, is there a kind of like mainstream maybe pop artist that you enjoy that might surprise people? Hmm. Goodness me. Um, well, let's let's be honest. I enjoy Taylor Swift. Hey, there. there sometimes my lightning round question. Um, I asked this to um, Leslie and Big Perm. It was Taylor Swift is blank. 
So I guess you, your answer would be fantastic. Well, yeah. I mean, I've just been I've just been a fan. I thought her first first few albums were so clever mm-hmm. for such a young artist, and uh, I, I didn't get to meet her, but I saw her at the Grammys when I went when I was nominated. Yeah. I saw I've heard her live and. You know what she's doing and and how she's now uh, becoming um, a more mature young lady. If I can say that, I can only say that because I'm older than her. But yeah. but you know she's. I, I've got a lot of respect for what she's achieved and who she is. And you mentioned it. I wanted to close with this before we get to plugs. The Grammy experience. Mm. Um, kind of fill us in. I mean, there's a very 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 select few people. So yeah, I was nominated for a Grammy. Uh, just kind of tell us first of all let us know what the nomination was for um, what that entire experience was like in 2009 I, I was invited to guest conduct the Nashville Symphony in Tennessee and their music director had unfortunately just passed on and so they had a brand new hall the Kenneth named after him the Kenneth Skirmahorn concert hall brand new and I my concert was I think the third or the fourth week in the new hall. So it was a really exciting time, but really sad time because they just lost their beloved music director. And the, the week was not just guest conducting, it was making a recording of two uh, uh, short one-act operas, uh, Ravel's L'Enfant et les Sortilèges, which is The Child and the Ent- Enchantments, and Menotti's Christmas uh, classic, Amal and the Night Visitors. And we recorded them both, and we had a great time doing that. Um, and I got called a couple of a couple of years later, or a year and a half later, from Alan Valentine, the executive director, saying, your recording of the Ravel L'Enfant was just being nominated for a Grammy. And I, and I thought, is this a prank call? <laughs> <laughs> Who really? is this? Who is this? <laughs> and, and it was just an amazing, amazing moment to, to, to know that. Look, when anybody makes an album, they put their heart and soul into it. They make it the best they possibly can. We were no exception, but somehow, this uh, the, the quality of what we did was recognized um, and uh, to to get to go to the Grammys was was a real treat um, of course the biggest question is who do you take mm-hmm. at the time yeah. I you know I, I didn't have a girlfriend at the time okay um, but I had several g- girl friends who were saying take me yeah <laughs> so, so I, I disappointed them all by taking the most important person in my life my mother. Okay. <laughs> she yeah. flew out. We, we met in, in, in L.A. And it was, it, she just had an amazing moment. And we, <laughs> there was one artist, I think, it, I can't remember who it was. Um, it could have been the tribute to Michael Jackson, who had just passed on okay. at, at that time, um, that we got to wear 3D glasses. And there's a picture of my mother <laughs> and myself in the big arena. We've got our 3D glasses on, but no one else around us had put them on yet because we were just eager beavers. We, 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 yeah. just, we, we put them on Having and nobody the else had. And yeah. it, it was, it was just, uh, just an amazing experience to, to, to be uh, around the, those people and to see the talent there. And uh, um, it was just, just a real honor and a highlight of my life. Well, I certainly appreciate you coming on. Um, I know our listeners are going to enjoy this episode. Uh, do you want to tell anybody uh, where they can find you, either a website or social media or anything? Sure, alistairwillis.com, or you can find me on Facebook. Um, I'm on Twitter as well. Uh, I could be more active on Twitter, and I will be. But, um, yeah, I, or find me at the Morris Center after a concert or in the intermission or before a concert and come to a rehearsal and say hi and, and tell me how much you love what we're doing with the, the South Bend Symphony Orchestra. Fantastic. Because this is... This is a real gem in this city, and it's 
the arts is so strong, as you know from Aaron, yep. and 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 so many others, and Notre Dame, of course, and who they bring in in this city. This is really, really unusual for a city of this size. Size, and to be part of this is is so exciting, and to know what you've had here and what we can make it together is is going to be really exciting. Well, I think I can speak for all South Bend when I say we appreciate your passion. I appreciate you coming on, and home for the holidays Saturday the 16th and Sunday the 17th. That's right. All right. Thank you, Alistair. Thank you. Wouldn't it be nice to be excited for your dental appointment? You will be when you're a patient at Zent Family Dentistry. They have nearly 100 glowing reviews online and zero negative reviews. A perfect score. Find out more at ZentFamilyDentistry.com. Now I'm off to my appointment.